0: you here this morning we began a series last week and we're talking about how important it is to be convinced of the right things Uh, we all build our lives on a set of beliefs and we began to talk about how there are different depths to those beliefs some of our beliefs stay up in our head and others make their way into our hearts and these are the things that we really believe and we're we're willing to suffer for these. I sat by an interesting guy on the plane. I went to Texas this week for a meeting, and coming home sat by an interesting guy he He sat next to me. Uh, I was in the middle. I got a late plane ticket and <laughs> it was you know fun in the middle and uh he he had a McDonald's bag. He sat down, so he sat down after I did, and he started eating his quarter pounder. And I looked over and I said, that's fascinating that he has a, a travel-like napkin that covers his whole legs. And then I, I realized, huh, he has long sleeves on that are same out, made out of the same material as the, the, the travel napkin. And then I'm starting to look out of the corner of my eye, <laughs> trying to figure out who's sitting next to me, and he's in a monk's habit. And I thought, oh, this is fascinating. I said, so I said, what do you do for work? And he said he said well i 'm a Catholic, i 'm a Catholic priest I, you know father Nathan. i said oh that's, that's awesome i 'm a pastor, you know so we had a, a fascinating conversation, and throughout the flight, he kept reaching up and turn on there i said I, the, the, the heat's got to be killing you in that thing." <laughs> he said, "Yeah, it is, man, it gets it gets hot but but you know it' it's, it's part of the deal that's what I do. I wear this." So we had a really good conversation, found out that, uh, he, he really loves God. Now here's a guy who's willing to suffer. He, he's a part of an order that can only talk to each other four times a week. Now there's some value in that. I don't necessarily think it's necessary, but some guys would love that. This is awesome. I just don't talk to anybody except four times a week. Now I don't think that's necessary, but he's done several things to pay a price for his, his beliefs. I admire that. He's willing to suffer for his convictions. And what he senses God has asked him to do. That, that's a sign that something is a conviction. That we're willing to suffer for. We began to talk about that last week. And we're talking in this series about uh, being convinced and why that's important. The Bible gives a very clear definition of faith. It's an interesting one in Hebrews. And it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's interesting that Hebrews 11 goes on to make a list of heroes. It lists a bunch of heroes of the faith. And all of them were so convinced that God is real and that he'd asked them to do what they did, they suffered for it. Abraham Top of the list, very very uh, wealthy man, who was willing to leave his home and become a nomad living in tents because God had had directed him to do that. Goes on to Moses, who was willing to. Um, he was willing to give up the status and the privilege and the luxury of being in the king's family to lead the people of Egypt out of slavery. So. This is a characteristic of being convinced. You, you are so convinced that you're willing to suffer for what you believe. And so we're going to talk today about how we get convinced. In a small way, I've learned to suffer through asking forgiveness when I've wronged somebody. And many of us here have. We've, we, there, there's a sort of suffering that when you realize you've wronged somebody and you need to get it right with them... There's this suffering of humiliation and humbling that goes on when you go to approach them. Now, in contrast to that, I was watching a TV show last night, and two police guys got in an argument, and they're going at each other button heads. One of them thinks they need to run the department this way. The other one thinks they need to run the department that way. And their boss uh, talked to one of the guys later in the show because he had realized I, I was wrong you know what, I'm going, to send, I'm going to send a bottle. What does he like to drink? I'm going to send a bottle and apologize to him. The boss says, well, you know, that's, that's not how men apologize. They don't send candy and flowers. What you need to do is you need to ask him uh, to do a favor that flatters him. And as you ask him to do the favor that flatters him, he'll know that you're trying to patch things up. And so they play that out, and that's what he does. That's not God's way. That That's that's the world's way, trying to work things out, sweep it under the carpet, do something to make up, up for it. But God's way is not to do a little dance and try to communicate subtly that you're sorry for what you did. I can remember the very first time... God spoke to me about going to people and straighten things out when I've wronged them. I was sitting under a Bible teacher and he was talking about the need for a clear conscience. And um, I, he, as he read the passage, so I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward God and toward men. God said, "You, you don't have a clear conscience toward people. You don't take pains. You don't suffer to do that. And so... Immediately came to mind the girls that I had broken up with and how I treated them wrongly as I broke up with them, after I broke up with them. And I'm like, oh, no, God, I don't want to go back and humble myself before these these young ladies. But I committed to do it. I did it. And that was that was a kind of suffering. But you know what? On the other side of the suffering, I enjoyed the freedom of conscience from doing that. And I experienced uh, that freedom and I savored it. And then also, as I continue to do that, my relationships don't get slimy as much. When, when I get things straightened out, I don't get slimed in relating to others with a guilty conscience. But that, that's the process. I wanted to tell my story because I'm going to come back to it. And talk about the, the process of developing convictions. That's a little snapshot of one conviction that God developed in me. Uh, I've learned when God speaks to me like that through the scripture to do it. <laughs> because I, I've learned he, he knows what he's talking about. He's the one that made reality work the way it does. Last week we looked at why convictions are important and the impact that they make on our life and those around us. This week we're going to look at how they develop in us. How do they how do they move from our head to our heart? How do they travel there? A conviction is a belief that we hold so firmly that it guides the decisions that we make. It's, you know, when you're given options, you're deeply held beliefs your convictions guide the choices you make and so we're going to look at how those travel from here to here to the center of our being and we're going to also look at the source for developing the right convictions because you and I we all have convictions we're faced with options and we choose based on what we really believe And so it's important to have a source for developing the right convictions. And we're going to look at that as we go along. But first of all, let's look at the fact that convictions develop through experience. There's no other way to go from your head to your heart than experience. Here's a statement from Paul we looked at last week. And before this statement, he's saying, I've been appointed by God to preach the good news about Jesus Christ, and to launch ministries and churches. So this is my appointment, and he says, which is why I suffer as I do. I suffer because of what God's called me to do. He's asked me to do this, and I've suffered for it. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Now, Paul is convinced because he's seen God come through over and over and over again. He has experienced the faithfulness of God as he's followed God to do the will of God. So he's experienced this and it shows something important about convictions, being convinced. And this is it to have lasting event, uh, to to build lasting beliefs they must become real. Through experience. They, they have to become real. And the way they become real is by experiencing the truth. And that encourages you to build uh, your life on them. It's interesting. That word suffer in the passage I just read, 2 Timothy 1.12. It's an interesting word. Its root means literally to be affected. It's sort of a neutral word. Uh, It it means to be affected, to feel, to have a sensible experience, to undergo something. And it can be positive or negative. It can be good or bad. We can be affected through a painful or a pleasant experience. In a bad sense, which is the meaning in this context. It's a painful experience in this context. Uh, in, In a negative sense, in a bad sense misfortunes, suffering, to undergo evils and afflictions. That's what we see here. But in a good sense, the word also means um, uh, pleasant experiences. So, so we, we actually we have experiences, good or bad, and they're leaving an imprint on our minds and in our hearts. Paul is saying here that he's willing to go through a painful experience due to his commitment to Christ since he's experienced God's faithfulness as he does what God's told him to do. Uh, s- several years after learning about the need to have a clear conscience, I was at work, and um, I worked at Riverside Poly High School as a, they called me a narc, I wasn't really a narc, but I was the guy that carried the walkie-talkie and made sure they went to class, and if drugs showed up, I i did deal with the situation but that wasn't my primary cause I was a peer advisor is what I was called and so I was in one part I was in the parking lot I was supposed to be in the 600s and my boss came over the radio and asked where I was I said I'm in I'm in the 600s as soon as I said that the Holy Spirit said you just lied through your teeth and I thought "Ah." Oh. I know what's next. (laughs) I'm going to have to humiliate myself. And so I went in to the boss and I said, Dale, I was lying. I was not where I should have been. Will you forgive me? He said, yeah. And then we talked. And as a result of my suffering, I thought, I might be gone. You know, I'm done, fired, whatever. As a result of my suffering, he gave me grace and our relationship was strengthened. I think my credibility, he probably knew that I was, you know, not there. That's probably why he asked. But my credibility went way up when I went ahead and owned up to my lie. I've experienced this, taking the pain over and over again in different ways and found that God is faithful. And so I'm willing to suffer, in a small degree, the way Paul was willing to suffer to do do God's will, as we face choices in life, we make them based on what we've experienced to be real. This this is how it is. And what we consider to be the most important in a given circumstance. So we read situations based on what we really think is real because of our experience. We make decisions based on convictions uh, to do things even when it's going to cost us dearly. So One high school student goes with the crowd, gets into partying uh, because they believe acceptance and being cool are the number one factor to help them get what they want. Another one gives up acceptance because they're convinced of how wrong and damaging it will be when they participate in those kinds of things. So they they stay out of it. Um, One person dives into the fraudulent Ponzi scheme with friends because they believe money is the way to the best life. Uh, Another person passes on it because they believe God is watching and he's willing to discipline me if I step across the boundaries of what's right and wrong. We make decisions. We're faced with options. And we make decisions based on our experience. And the way we are, sometimes we have to learn through experience. We just The way we are, we learn through experience. All of us live by our convictions and it's crucial as we're experiencing life as it unfolds to learn to develop the right convictions it's it's crucial that we do we also need to know how to root out the wrong deeply held beliefs because we all have experiences it's very easy to sort out our experiences and land in the wrong place. We allow the wrong thoughts, the wrong ideas, the wrong beliefs to get into our heart. And so we need a source to develop the right convictions so that we're protected from the wrong ones. We base our decisions on our convictions, and our choices impact the outcomes of our lives. We decide who we're going to marry based on what we think is best. We decide our career moves, where we're going to live, what we put into our weekly schedule based on our convictions. And over time, we find out if we're right. Because we, we make a decision, it plants itself in the ground, and then it bears some kind of fruit. It's either ripe, juicy, really good tasting fruit, or it's not so good. It's rotten. But that takes time. The good news is God has shown us how to develop the right convictions. He's given us a source for developing the right convictions. Jesus told us to build our life on his word. We're building our life on our convictions one way or the other, whatever they are. Jesus told us to build your life on the word of God, his word, the Bible. The scripture gives us a rock solid foundation for life. So, Christ followers aim to build their convictions on Scripture. And if you're investigating Christ, this is something to do, to check out. If those who are building their lives on the convictions, uh, on the truth of Scripture, what's, what's happening with them, and as I step out to do what Scripture says, what do I experience there? But there's a process that we go through, um, that convinces us of the right things. And this is the process. This is what happened when I began to seek forgiveness for wronging others and that whole story I just shared with you. You study scripture, you obey it, and then God comes through. And you're convinced. That That's the process. It, it starts with personal investigation. For instance, we come here, we're all together. But it's not going to help you if you just come and listen and be a part of the group unless you are personally trying to figure it out for yourself and think through what I need to do as a result of what I just heard. Personal investigation is crucial. It's a crucial first step. So you get into the Bible for yourself and it may be together like this under teaching. But you get into the Bible for yourself to find out what God says about life with the intent to do it. And then you do it and you find out this is the source of the right convictions right here. Scripture. This is the source. So here's what it looks like in a formula. Content plus courage equals conviction. Content. Scripture is the source. You you see a truth in Scripture, so you know it's true because of your prior experience. If you're starting out, you find out it's true. Um, but you see a truth in Scripture, so you know it's true. When you get into the Bible and ask God to speak th- through, to you through it, He does. This is something you have to f- learn by experience to gain confidence, to gain credibility in it. Because what you find out is... It's, it's a living book. The Word of God is living and active, and He uses the Scripture to speak to our heart of hearts. And so you get into it to listen to Him. He speaks to you. Over time, you realize more and more that it rings true to life as you read it and apply it. So you gain a tremendous amount of confidence in the Scriptures if you're getting into them to let God speak to you personally. You're personally investigating, letting Him speak to you. And you're doing it. You begin to figure out, wow, th- this is really, this is really true. It's not just true, like the color of that chair is sort of gold or tan, whatever color it is. I might be colorblind, but this is true because it's real. I can count on it. I can build my life on it. So. <clears throat> I've even gained so much confidence, and many here have, so much confidence into the Bible. When I run into an idea in the Scripture that goes contrary to what I've thought before, I revise my thinking based on what Scripture says. And that's tough to do. it, It takes a lot of work and rewiring, and I'm going to be revising my thinking till the day I die. But it starts with a personal willingness to get into the Scripture, let God speak to you, and let... And then begin to let him revise the way you think and help, help you develop the right kind of convictions to build your life in. So I've let go of many, many wrong ideas because they didn't line up with God's reality that he's shown us in the scripture. Uh, the next ingredient for developing convictions is courage. And uh, this means you, you exercise faith. You step out. To trust God is really there and that he's going to come through for you if you do what he wants. He's going to be good to you uh, despite the consequences of obedience and they can be extreme. In the short term, it may look like your friends who got into the Ponzi scheme are, they've hit the jackpot, man. They are making all kinds of money and they're swimming in it. They're just swimming in the money and enjoying the high life and but what do you do? You, you have to make a choice. I'm going I'm to wait on God. I'm just going to keep obeying Him. And I'm going to wait for my reward. I may not get it here. I may not get it here and now. But I know I'm going to get the reward later on. So you, you wait in obedience. If, um, if you keep trusting God to come through for you, you wait for the final outcome. As you experience outcomes over time, uh, you develop convictions. It's the last piece of the formula there. Um, You see God come through and provide what he's promised. Maybe your friends in the Ponzi scheme get caught. And uh, it brings to mind a verse you've read. Ill-gotten treasures are of no value, but righteousness delivers from death. And that goes from here, then, Right to here. I I didn't do that because I thought it was wrong, and now I've experienced that that God is right. I need to stay away from those things that are out of bounds. So you begin to develop convictions. It's the same way when you suffer to ask forgiveness of someone, and the relationship grows stronger. It heals. It comes back together. It's the same thing. We experience the truth of God's word as we live it out, as we do it. That's the only way to get convinced. Once you experience the benefits of hearing God speak, you make reading the Bible a part of your daily schedule, not because you feel like you know you have to to keep God off your back so he doesn't squash you, but because now I want to. I want to hear what God says to me because this, this is how he teaches me. This is how he trains me and gives me the experience that will convince me that uh, his way is better. So you let it revise your thinking and your convictions. Convictions get stronger as you keep facing reality according to God. This is how they grow, grow stronger. So in 2 Timothy 3, we looked at this last week. Paul warns against caving into hypocrisy And deceit, uh, like some teachers that are coming through uh, where Timothy is. And then he says this, But as for you, and he's speaking to Timothy, who's his protege, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, There are two primary sources in this passage for learning reality according to God. The first one is God's Word, the Bible. I've been talking about that. Um, This is the prime source of beliefs that match reality in the world as God has made it to work. And we need to keep digging into the Bible and getting convinced through personal investigation. We let God speak to us and give us insight for life, then we do it, and then we get convinced. I change my mind to match God's reality. I don't try to get Him to fit into mind. I can try to create my own reality. I I can do my best. This is what we, we tend to do as people. We try to create our own reality, but God doesn't operate in the world based on my reality. He's made it work the way He's made it to work. And so we learn to adapt, let, it, let the Word of God revise our thinking. A second source of learning reality according to God is teachers who live God's Word. You want to particularly listen to teachers who, whom you can be close enough to to see if they really do live God's Word because those are the ones you want to follow. But uh, Timothy was a protege of Paul, but he had been taught the Scripture from childhood. His, his grandmother and his mother, had been careful to teach him the scripture. His faith had been encouraged and relayed to him by them. And so he had learned this truth from credible sources. He, he knew they lived it. His family, from, from Paul, other credible teachers. Uh, it had proven out in his experience. If you never put the things you learn into practice, if you never put the scripture into practice, you, you never get convinced of anything related to the scriptures. You don't experience their reality. The interesting thing about God is he invites you and I to learn from him. He invites us to learn from him. He invites us to become people who draw close to him and deepen our convictions. His desire is for people to draw close to him and learn from him and experience the benefits of that. Listen to uh, Isaiah, Prophet Isaiah, speaking to God's people. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. Oh, that you would have paid attention to my commandments. This is the heart of God coming out here. Oh, that you would have paid attention to my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river And your righteousness like the waves of the seas. It's on God's heart that we not wander off on our own, but that we learn from Him because He wants to teach us to profit in life. Now, not financially necessarily, um, but He wants us to teach us to do well. He wants life to go well for us, He wants it to go good. Sadly, the history of God's people was cyclical. Um, They would draw close. He drew them close to himself. They would experience his blessing. They'd get complacent. They'd rebel. They'd experience God's discipline through trouble. And then God would send a prophet to invite them back. They would come back. They would draw close to God. They'd come back to him. They'd experience God's blessing, they'd get complacent, the whole cycle would start all over again. Sort of like my own heart. I don't know about you, my heart can be like that. Draw close to God, experience his blessing. Well, I wonder if I could get away with this. Our hearts are wired that way. This is the way it is. God, though, wants us to keep saying no to our flesh, no to the world's ideas about how life works, how reality works, and choose to build our life on his reality as he's shown us in the word. Listen to Jesus. Jesus said something similar. He invites us to learn from him in Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Those of us whose lives are loaded down with concerns, we, we can connect. To, to yoke up with Jesus means you connect with him. And then he teaches you how to handle the load that you're carrying. He, he teaches you how to do well. The same thing Isaiah said. He teaches you, how to find rest for your souls in the middle of the heaviness and the concerns that we deal with every day of our lives. We can trade the heavy burden that comes with many of our painful life experiences and the results that have come from them. We can trade that for a new way if we connect to Jesus, if we stay connected to Jesus. One, One that... That's guided by God's truth that lines up with the reality that he's designed. We have to make sure that the convictions, the things we believe in our heart of hearts are real. They're the right ones. They're not the ones that are going to plant in us and then bear rotten fruit in a decade or two or three. We, we want to protect that. So God invites us. To interact with him. To connect with him. Jesus invites us to yoke up with him and we will find rest for my souls. That's what I experience when I when I suffer through uh, uh, asking forgiveness. Rest in here. It's like clear conscience. Not slimy. Freedom. I can go into a room. I can look people in the eye. Even, even if I've wronged them, if I've made it right, I can look them in the eye and not feel slimed. That's rest. That's freedom. That's what Jesus offers. And in in every area of life, he wants to yoke us up with him and show us how to experience that kind of rest. So only through personal investigation and experience do we develop the right convictions. That's the way our, our beliefs travel from our head to our heart. Jesus invites us to learn from him. If you've never responded to an invitation to begin a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, um, we'd love to help you make that connection with him. Uh, If you're ready to commit, you've been investigating for a while, you're ready to commit, on the back of the connection card, if you take that out of the program right now, that'd be great. Um, On the back of the connection card, there's a next step that says for the first time, My next step is to give my life to Christ and follow him as Lord and Savior. I'm going to submit myself to him as Lord and boss and master. And I'm going to begin to do life his way. I'm going to build my life on his word. Um, So if you're ready to commit, you could check that next step. That'd be great. Uh, If you're still investigating... Uh, there's a spot on the right-hand side of the back of the connection card where you can just say, I'd like to more information on beginning a relationship with Christ. We we want to help you do that. We want to help you connect up. As I re, uh, wrap up the message today, there are a couple other next steps that you could take as the band gets ready to lead us and um, as we're about to receive the offering. Here are some next steps. The first one, memorize 2 Timothy one twelve, the second part of that verse but I'm not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced that he is able to guard until uh, that day what has been entrusted to me and then the step I just mentioned uh, for the first time give my life to Christ and follow him as Lord and Savior uh, another step could be to commit to doing or continuing your own personal investigation of God and his truth um, that form a bedrock for, for living. So I'm going to keep getting into the scriptures and allowing it to revise my thinking. And then there may be something else uh, that God has said to you this morning that you want to act on. But that, that's why we make a big deal out of taking the next step as we listen to the scripture. Because it's taking the step, it's having the courage to do what God's shown you to do, even when it's painful. Even when it creates some suffering and it's backwards, like writing with the wrong hand, you experience the goodness of God as you obey Him. So that's why we encourage you to do that. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth we see in Scripture that really does free us up. You set us free, God, as we submit to you, learn from your Word, and aim to do what you've shown us to do. I ask for help and strength and energy to to apply your word the way you've shown each of us in different ways this morning. And uh, that you give us the power to step out to follow you in that way. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.